You're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. We are three badass female coaches from around the globe who are here to debunk the typical go harder fitness and diet advice and guide you to make your own definition of health and wellness. Join us each week for conversation, information, interviews, dry humor, dad jokes, and more. Hey, is this this thing on? Are we here? Are we all here? We've got the three of us here. Made it. Hi. It's happening. It's happening. We we managed to coordinate three time zones across the globe. Um, but don't worry, we've we figured it out now. I think it's gonna be pretty smooth. I uh I promise I will get better at Google Calendar, um, but we we we're here. We made it, and to to the first real episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. We did, and I think um, it's going to be really awesome. Like the next three podcasts, just getting to know. I mean, all of us as a collective, there's so much that we don't know about one another. So I think that. Um, you know, as we dive into each other's stories for these first few podcasts, it's going to be really cool to just learn actually more about each other and, you know, more about your history and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to hearing about you today, Jillian. Yeah, I, uh, well, don't worry. We're going to try to keep this not too long because we all know that I can talk. Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, I think the coolest thing actually about this is the fact is, you know, Holly and I, uh, met through a really interesting sort of set of circumstances, but Olivia, you and I have never actually like physically been in the same room. Mm. That's also true of Olivia and I. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and so the, and the cool thing is, so I remember when I, so I had already known, I already knew Holly, I think I had met you or at least knew who you were. And I remember seeing Olivia on Instagram and like seeing her posts. And, and I remember I was like, Oh, this this girl like seems super badass and she lives in Korea. And I, Holly, I remember asking you like, Hey, do you know Olivia Park? And, and you said, yes, but I don't think I had ever realized that you never had actually met. Um, yeah. And yeah. So and here we are. So it was one of those things. I also find it strange that Olivia and I haven't met cause we, we've just talked about so much stuff in like, yeah. the background. <laughs> we've had very similar journeys and yeah, we met at a time when we were both making very similar transitions uh, in mm. life, which we'll discuss in the next two episodes. But um, yeah, and then Jillian, we also had like an interesting way that we met because I believe that you stayed in my apartment in Shanghai before we had ever met and potentially slept in my bed. Yeah, I did. I did. I slept <laughs> in your bed and I was, it was so cold. And I remember it was one of those things where I don't, I wasn't really like prepared for you know, like a Chinese apartment building where you like walk in and it kind of seems like a little, almost like Blade Runner, you know, where, um, where it's got like the holograms in the elevator, but like the elevator's also like, it's weird because there's holograms in the elevator, but it also kind of seems like the elevator's going to stop working at any moment. Um, and then you go outside and there's like, you know, there's like an old Chinese guy, like spitting tobacco in the corner and then like a thousand bicycles, um, and, and I, you know, I think that's a remember. really good microcosm of, of yeah. Shanghai life, Absolutely. like old, like bits of China where you're like, this might collapse at any time. And other bits where you're like, this is so advanced. Like this is the yes. future. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so it was amazing because, and the connection was, so Omar and I, and this is the, this is, you know, we're going to get real here. Omar and I had actually had like a fling, um, <gasps> 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Holly, that. I don't, did you know about this? So we had like a fling. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So we had a <laughs> fling before, like right before he moved to Shanghai and ended like, ended up becoming really, really, really good friends. Um, and by and the way, guys, like, Omar, Omar for context, Omar was my roommate in Shanghai. So Omar and I met when he was traveling in China and he stopped by my gym in Beijing. And then he was like, I'm moving to Shanghai. And I was like, I'm moving to Shanghai. And we both love cats and that and, and CrossFit. And that's why we live together. Yes. So that's the background to this. And, <laughs> and this is, this is all like very serendipitous because he go, you know, then I wanted to go to Japan and Omar goes, okay, well, you have to come see me in China. Um, and I was like, all right, it seems to makes total sense. I'll just stop on my way over. Um, and, and so I showed up in Shanghai and he goes, well, you know, my, my roommate who is a Lululemon ambassador, she's actually, she's a nutrition coach. You guys would actually get along so well. She's like, and then he goes, but she's not here. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, but you can sleep in her bedroom. Um, so that was a little bit, I was like, are you sure? Um, and he was like, yeah, no, don't worry. It's totally fine. So I froze my ass off in your bedroom for, uh, I think oh, welcome. about a week. It was, it was amazing. And, um, and Shanghai was, Shanghai was an interesting experience, but then, uh, the story continues to get more interesting because we had our little jaunt where we actually met in Bali. Yeah. You know, that's just what people do. Yeah. Just, you know, what one, what one did pre COVID just hop yeah. over to Bali. So yeah, we met in Bali and, and it seems crazy to talk about it now with the COVID world. But at that point in time, we were discussing potentially opening a gym together there with Omar. Um, and yeah, obviously that morphed into this. <laughs> so yeah. it was still, I think a really positive, you know, the and fact that then we talked so much Eric about businesses Omar. and stuff. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah exactly. we switched out we Omar switched for, for another O. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, and Holly, I think I've told you this in the past. Maybe I haven't, but I sort of had sort of decided. And I know we, when we were together in Bali, it was like we kind of clicked instantly with our like, you know, we need to get our steps in and we need, and we love the same kind of food and, you know, we do similar things. And it was almost like Holly is like this very organized version of me. Like I'm maybe like the more like, you know, feeling hippie, like nobody really knows what I'm going to do because I change my mind all the time. And Holly is like the very, very like organized, like driven side, like, and it makes sense looking at like the type of nutrition coaching we do, because I work with a lot of people to like create, you know, the strong connection with their bodies and like understand how to be a bit more intuitive and like be really flexible. And, you know, and, and then Holly is, you know, a little bit more kind of on the macro side that is a little bit more organized, a little bit more, um, you know, metric focused and, and it, and, and I had sort of decided, I was like, I need to either, I need to either pick this woman's brain like crazy, or I need to work with her in some capacity. And, and so, you know, here we are. Um, and I think with Olivia, you as well, when we started to talk, I was like, Ooh, she gets it. I was like, all right. I was like, we need to figure out how to do something together. And here we all are. Mm. It is so quite because we started talking about that um, last year, Jillian, and did um, a recording together in bits and pieces. And so it's really cool. It's sort of come full circle. And here we are. And Holly, you were just about to say, I think, so today is all about getting to know you, Jillian. Exactly. Right. So I actually wanted to, I wanted to drift back to how we met, which, which indirectly through Omar, 
Um, and from that, you know, obviously you're still living in Barcelona, which is where you met Omar, who's from Barcelona. Um, at, but you're not from Barcelona. So how the hell did you end oh, up Oh, you there? can't tell? You can't tell from my <laughs> accent that I'm not from Barcelona? Um, so I ended up in Barcelona. I'm going to try to keep this not too long. So basically, I, um, I, and this is sort of all related to how I ended up nutrition coaching as well, because I was never like the kid that I was not like the healthiest kid. Like I wasn't unhealthy. I didn't eat the standard American diet um, by any means, but um, I didn't play sports. Like I basically, you know, my idea of a balanced meal was like chicken and just chicken. Um, and then maybe followed up by a packet of Skittles or something. Um, if my dad wasn't home and I could get away with it. And, and so when I was in college and I started to dig a little bit deeper into, into exercise and started working on changing my habits and sort of started the, the ball rolling to the person that I am now, um, I ended up working at Lululemon, um, which is, is, you know, as we know, kind of like the biggest, I would say like the biggest clothing, uh, like yoga and fitness clothing retailer that exists at this point. Um, and so I was working at Lululemon and I made, um, I made a, a, a switch up for, I was living in San Diego and I ended up switching to go work in San Francisco. And my experience at the store in San Francisco was terrible. Like working at the store, the people that I worked with were insane, like genuinely insane. That's a story for another time. Some of them were fantastic and some of them were absolutely nuts. Um, and I ended up working for TRX training in sales and, and I'm good at sales, but I don't like it. And I realized that what I was doing was I was basically getting paid for my time because the amount of work that I could do in a day was not dependent on my time. Like I could get everything I needed to do done. I could do everything I needed to do in a day in like three to four hours. And the other three to four hours, what was I doing? I was reading food blogs. I was reading recipes. I was reading, you know, nutrition studies and, and that, you know, that was sort of what was interesting to me. And so at a point I was like, I'm not happy. I don't want to be working in an office. I'm here 10 hours a day. And, you know, seven hours is spent like researching recipes. Um, so I think I need to do something else. And so I quit my job and I ended up traveling around South America for three months, uh, by myself, which was, absolutely incredible. And while I was there, I was like, you know what? So I'm half British. My dad's from Liverpool. Um, my mom was from the States and I was like, you know what? I have this British passport. I should use it. You know, back when the UK was part of the EU. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good, good times, fond memories. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like, I should use my European passport that coupled with the fact that I was like, you know, my, my grandparents are getting old. Like I should be a little bit closer to them. And, so I ended up moving all of my stuff to Liverpool um, and I was in Liverpool thinking, oh my God, I can't live here. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is not, I'm in my grandparents, I'm 26 years old. I'm living in my grandparents' house out of suitcases. Like I can't. So this, I promise I'm getting to Barcelona. I promise. <laughs> so from there, I had planned a trip. So I was an exchange student in high school from um, my, my 10th grade. So from 15 to 16, I lived with a family in a very, very small town, 2000 people in the middle of nowhere in Galicia, Spain. 
And I had stayed in contact with the family that I lived with. I was lucky to have a really amazing exchange student experience. Um, and so I had made a, a plan to go visit them for a couple of weeks. And so I went to go visit them and I had forgotten how absolutely boring uh, the place where they lived was. And so I was there for about a week and had an, a lovely time. And then I started to get a bit antsy and I took off and I was like, I'm going to go across the border to Portugal. So it was like 15 kilometers. I was like, I'm going to go across the border to Portugal. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I never went back. Um, I ended up it actually via, I, via Portugal, I ended up in Barcelona living with a friend of mine that I had met in college. And from there, I, you know, I had this thought in my head. I was like, I'm going to continue traveling. I'm, you know, I've spent a couple months in Barcelona and I'd love to go to New Zealand. Um, I ho Olivia, I don't know if I've ever told you this, that my goal was to end up in New Zealand and, and just, you know, the ball course, started rolling here. Yeah. And the ball started rolling here. And I, you know, I started, I found a job and then I got even more into CrossFit. And then I started, became a CrossFit coach and I really loved coaching. And I thought I wanted to dedicate my life to being a CrossFit coach. And then I realized that, you know, there was this big sort of gap between like, you know, people can go to a CrossFit class and just like do what the trainer says for an hour. Uh, but then the nutrition part is so much more complex. And because I had already had this really strong tied to it. And, and it was something that was, I was really passionate about, you know, like eating delicious food, um, understanding more about nutrition. I had already done a health coach certification years before that I never really put to good use. Um, and I was like, I think, I think nutrition is the way that I want to go. And here we are. That was, so, so I, I remember, yeah, no, I, so I, I remember Omar when we first, when he first told me about you, um, mentioning that um, at the time you were translating, I think, for CrossFit HQ for seminars and you had just done your CF level three or you were in the process of doing it. Um, and then like you got kind of um, disenchanted with CrossFit um, a little bit, at least with not necessarily with the methodology, but with the company, which I think happened to all of us in some way. Um, but how did you even end up getting into CrossFit? Like, how, how did that happen? So this was actually, I love this story because this is, so Lululemon, even though I sort of ended my, my two years that I worked with Lululemon, I ended on a bit of a weird note. Lululemon like was absolutely, and I think Holly, you could probably speak to the same thing. Cause I know that you're a Lululemon ambassador. Like Lululemon was pretty. O Olivia was as well, by the way. Oh, Just, really? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Two years so I think Taiwan. I think that, you know, Lululemon in some way, like kind of changed all of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm very happy for that. Um, even though that you know, there are some kind of weird things about the company. Um, but when I was, so when I was working at Lululemon, I remember these people, it was like four really jacked, like super strong people. It was like two guys and two girls came into the store when I was working in La Jolla in San Diego. And, um, and I was like, wow, like you guys clearly exercise, like, what do you do? And this was, this was back when, you know, you would, um, when you worked at Lululemon, it was really important to sort of like get to know the, the customers rather than just telling them like, this is made out of, you know, whatever. Um, and, and they were like, oh, we do CrossFit. And this was 2011. 2010. And so like CrossFit, nobody knew what the hell CrossFit was. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's that? And they're like, well, do you want to do a CrossFit workout? And I was like, right here. 
And they're like, yeah, we totally, like we have a four minute workout that you can do. And it like, you know, it's a great workout. And, <laughs> and so anybody that does CrossFit that's listening to this is like, oh no, like the alarm bells are going off in their head right now. Like, no, run, it's a four minute workout. That means you're gonna die. And so basically my first CrossFit workout was in the middle of my Lululemon store where I, I was a key leader. And, um, and it was a Tabata of air squats. And I couldn't walk for like three days. <laughs> and, and from there, I, um, I actually went, there was a cross, a really small CrossFit gym close to, um, where I lived in, in La Jolla, San Diego. And I went to, um, I went to a, they had a free, like, oh, Saturday, like open class. Anybody could come and anybody could try it. And they did a competition at the end of the class for whoever could do like more rounds of a certain exercise in a, you know, in an AMRAP won a free fundamentals course. And so for, if you don't know what about CrossFit, like the fundamentals are basically, you know, to get you kind of up and running with the different exercises of CrossFit. And, um, and I, I won. And so I got the, um, I got the free fundamentals and I totally fell in love with it. I fell in love with, you know, learning how to use a barbell. And, and I remember the gym that I was at the gym owner, she was awesome. She was like this tiny little blonde woman who was like such a badass. and she would have nicknames. She had CrossFit nicknames for everyone. Mm. Everyone that went to her box had, had nicknames. Um, and I would go at six o'clock in the morning. I would wake up, I would eat banana and peanut butter. I would go work out and then I'd go home and go back to sleep. Um, and then from there I moved to San Francisco and it was just like, so cost prohibitive because it was, you know, in, in San Diego, I think it was like a hundred bucks a month or something. And in San Francisco it was like $300 a month. Mm. And, and the vibe was very different. Um, so I, I did CrossFit from like 2011 to 2012. Then I quit from 2012 to like 2015. And then when I made to made it to Spain, I decided I was like, I need to find a CrossFit gym because that's how I'm going to make friends. And, yeah. and I, I think that's how a lot of people do it, you mm. know? And it, it's yeah. so cool because CrossFit, although, you know, I don't practice CrossFit anymore. I still do teach classes occasionally. I absolutely adore the community of CrossFit because it gave me literally, or not gave me because I earned what I have, but it offered me the, the opportunity to connect with so many incredible people and mm -hmm. make some of my absolute best friends. And, you know, indirectly led me here to, to do this with you guys. Mm. Um, and so, and then I became a coach because I, I, I'm not a naturally athletic person at all. Um, I'm actually very uncoordinated and, and maybe this is a story I tell myself, but it, you know, it takes a lot of work for me to do these things. Mm. And, um, and so I started to fall in love with understanding the, the technique and understanding, you know, how do I get people to feel a certain way while they're doing these exercises? Because I think that that's, you know, that's a huge part of what happens is people are so disconnected from how they feel every day that CrossFit is kind of like a slap in the face. Cause you're like, no, you need to feel your hamstrings. And they're like, what's a hamstring? Where do I find it? <laughs> And, and, and so that was sort of how I started coaching because for me, things were difficult and I, I learned how to understand it. And so I wanted to share that with other people. Yeah, that's uh, really similar to my background and why I got into coaching as well. And you, yeah, so just to touch on you, you said like, oh, I'm not naturally athletic, um, not a very athletic person, but then I believe that you also ended up competing in Olympic weightlifting. Is that true? Yes, that is true. And, and I think, I mean, I absolutely love Olympic weightlifting. I love it. And the reason that I love it is because 
of all the technique behind it. And there's always something, you know, a little tweak that you can make. And so it's one of those things that I feel like with Olympic weightlifting, when you really start understanding the pieces of your body and how they move together or separately, like Olympic weightlifting becomes this like amazing journey in which you sort of like, okay, well, if I do this with my hips now, then I can do that with my arms. And then the more that you do it, it becomes this natural feeling. It just starts to feel really good. One of the things that I did have that from, from my past with Lululemon that was really beneficial is, is my flexibility was pretty good. My mobility and flexibility was pretty decent um, because when I worked with Lululemon, I was doing like five days of, of vinyasa yoga a week. Um, and, and so that was definitely, I doubt that was definitely something that, that helped me with Olympic weightlifting. And I did a weightlifting class at the CrossFit gym that I was attending. And the guy that was the, that is a weightlifting coach that ended up being my coach. You see this guy and you're like, you're a weightlifting coach. Like he's like, he's obese. He would show up wearing, he would show up to the classes, always wearing the same thing. He would wear these like baggy pants like baggy sweatpants, socks and sandals, no matter what time of year it was, um, like a random t-shirt from like 1983 and then like a fuzzy vest. And <laughs> yeah, but he was like amazing at getting people to move the way that they needed to move. And you would see this guy and it was like, really? Like, this is who I'm, who's going to teach me how to move my body better. Like this guy doesn't even know how to walk, but then he would start indicating, giving you, you know, giving you techniques and telling you how to move. And you would be like, oh my God, this makes sense. And so this is like the ultimate don't judge a book by its cover type, you know, type thing. But so he saw me and he was like, Hey, you're American, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, uh, how long are you planning on being in Spain for? And I was like, I have no idea. And he was like, are you here legally? And I was like, yes. And he goes, I want you to come lift with me. I was like, what really? I got picked for a team that's never happened before. And, um, and I, I remember my first, my first weightlifting session with him, we maxed out. So, cause he wanted to see what I was capable of. And I remember my snatch was like 35 kilos and it was just like, it was, it was a, it was a struggle. And, uh, and my clean, I think I got stuck at the bottom of a squat clean it with like 45. Um, your first time lifting those numbers are no so this pretty, was I had been taking decent. classes so I had been taking classes at the gym like at the CrossFit oh, yeah. gym and mm-hmm. I've been training CrossFit for a little while um but I mean yeah that definitely took a lot of work um and slowly so I did a few competitions and I realized that that kind of pressure isn't good for me and I don't work that well under pressure I love the training but when it was training for competition, it got really lonely. Um, and that coupled that kind of goes along with, you know, one of the reasons why I shifted my nutrition coaching to be in the direction that it was is because I also started, uh, because I needed to cut a weight class. Um, I, I cut down, I weighed about 58 and a half kilos when I started weightlifting and I cut down to like 50, I needed to get into the 53 kilo weight class. Mm. Um, and so I started counting macros and this was five years ago, something like that. Um, and I knew how to, you know, like a lot of us, I knew how to quote unquote eat healthy and I ate really healthy, but I didn't understand the amounts that were included and portion sizes and things like that. And so I went from being this more like intuitive style of eater um, that I had developed over these years of changing my habits to be healthier habits and, and eating, you know, the nutrients that I needed. I went to being very, very strict and very sort of like, uh, in Spanish it would be like cuadrada um, about everything that I put in my mouth. And it became very obsessive. 
Um, and so I was, there was about two years in which I was competing and then I decided to stop competing. Um, but I, and I realized I was like, this isn't working for me. And it, it was, you know, I, I, I would look in the mirror and always, you know, was always like, Ooh, you know, I could get, I could lose a little bit more. I could be a little bit more muscular. And I look back at photos of me now and I was like, damn girl, like you were jacked. Like, what the hell were you thinking? Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that happens to so many of us. I know Holly, um, I know you have like a similar story and Olivia, I think yours is probably pretty similar as well. Um, where it's like, you look back and you're like, God, I was so lost. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I think that is so common, isn't, isn't it? That we, in the time when we're feeling the most lost is when we feel the most unsatisfied. And then we look back and we're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that I, what I looked like then and how I perceive that, you know, that body dysmorphia that we, mm -hmm. that we have. And um, yeah, it's, it's so incredible, especially in this realm of like performance. I mean, gosh, I know for me when I was at my, you know, absolute leanest and even like getting on stage doing bodybuilding competitions. And when I was competing in CrossFit, my absolute leanest, and I was just, I felt so much shame about my body um, mm -hmm. because it wasn't lean enough. And it was like ridiculously lean. Like I couldn't have gotten any lean. Otherwise I wouldn't exist, you know? And it's just amazing that we um, create these incredible stories for ourselves. And so I think it's so interesting though, Jillian, that you went from that kind of intuitive eating approach where, you know, you sort of had this understanding of nutrition and you, you know, there was no kind of obsession with it at all. And then going into that sport, going into weightlifting and have to having to cut, which was a lot, like from 58 to 53. I mean, that's a huge, and, and that's already a really small kind of frame. So that that's a lot. Um, but it's so interesting that you went from being quite an intuitive sort of eater to then being quite obsessive with it and then to what you're doing now. And that's what I was quite interested in is that, you know, having that background in CrossFit where it's very performance focused and a lot of the nutrition in the CrossFit space is very much to do with performance because that's such an, an, an important thing. Um, and so how you went from like the people that you work with and the, the kind of work that you do now to go kind of like back to that intuitive place and how maybe you moved from that where you started doing nutrition in that performance aspect to now you work generally with kind of like gen pop sort of people, right? Yeah. So actually it's interesting because it's, it, it all sort of ebbs and flows. And mm. so just to, to be clear, I think I was not before I started weightlifting, I wouldn't say that I had no issues with food because I've always mm. had issues with food in my body, but I think I would just never really made the direct connection with, you know, I'm going to be very restrictive and this is how it's mm. going to change my body. I think it was more just like, you know, I was, I understood that I had a sweet tooth and, you know, I would, I, I kind of wanted my body to be a little bit different, but I wasn't so focused on it. Like it didn't take up too much mm. space in my brain. Mm. And then it went, and then it started taking up a ton of space in my brain. And so it's interesting because the balance, I think the balance of information is like, sometimes when you know a lot, it's like, it takes over. And, and so I went from this point of like knowing enough and it, mm. you know, it was fine. And then I started knowing a lot 
And I was like, okay, I need to put every single one of these points into practice right now. And I realized that I could manipulate my body really easily. And, and that's not to say when I was my leanest, that's not to say like, I definitely felt proud of my body in a way, but it was not, but it was more like proud of it. Like I want to show it off and show people what I look like. Mm. And so it wasn't doing it for me. It was more doing it to like, see how lean I could get to show other people like how like great my body looked. Mm. And, um, and so then I think with, you know, with my clients, I, so when I started taking on nutrition clients, I wanted to make sure that I was making it easier for them, that I was taking away this like stress of like, wow, I don't know what to eat. I have these goals, but I don't know like how the nutrition part is connected. I wanted to kind of take that away. But the way that I started, honestly, like if I look back now and how I started, I made it so much more complicated. I spent hours putting together like a meal plan for people with different options and, you know, measurements and like setting everyone up in my fitness pal. And, you know, then I learned pretty quickly that one, not everybody is ready to track their food. Two, not everybody should be tracking their food. And three, like a meal plan is not making anyone's life easier. And, and so from there, I started to shift into like, okay, I'm going to be very careful with understanding who should be tracking their food and who really just needs to understand this basic set of habits to, to get to their goals. Cause the fact of the matter is, is I think a lot of people, and I think this is, this is really interesting. And I'm, I'm excited to hear, especially Holly's take on this, because I would say the majority of people don't need to be tracking their food. But at the same time, I recognize that there are some people that mentally and emotionally aren't ready to track that could benefit for it from it. Mm-hmm. And so where I live is sort of in this space of I'm very, I try to be very sensitive to not just, you know, where people are at now, but also the, like all the baggage that they carry with them about food and about their bodies and, and recognize when people can potentially have these more obsessive tendencies and also recognize, you know, some people are like, I'll have people that are like, oh, well, how many calories do I need to be eating? And, and for me understanding, you know, what kind of person they are to say, Hey, we're not going to talk about how many calories you're eating, because right now I really just want to focus on being consistent and eating protein in every meal and knowing whether you need 1800 calories or 2,500 calories, like, isn't going to change that. Yeah. I I have to say like, same, I I know we take slightly different approaches to overall coaching, but I think like a lot of our underlying philosophy is really similar. And I have tons of clients who macro tracking isn't the focus of what they do and it, and habit formation is. Um, And it, that's, that always has to be the foundation. There's so many people that we start off using tracking not to try and hit macro targets or to hit goals, but but to to keep them accountable to those habits. So sometimes I'll be like, hey, you're just gonna, I just want you to put in what protein you eat every day. And like that's mm-hmm. it. And it's purely so that they have like an accountability thing of like, did I did I do the habit? Like am I doing the foundational habit? And exactly what you said of being like calories are irrelevant if you're not doing the basic foundational habits that that you need to be doing anyway, because otherwise like what calories aren't going to help you. Like, no, like tracking your calories won't help you. But mm-hmm. I think that, um, so I know that both Oliver and I came from our initial nutrition coaching experience, like having someone coach us in nutrition. We were both with a, a coaching system that was extremely um, systematized and very, very macro and calorie focused, but like to an extreme. 
and very templated in its approach. And I just wondered if with your first experience in, in tracking your macros and what took you into that place that was a bit more negative in terms of your relationship with uh, the not also just all the knowledge around nutrition, like, did you have anything like that, like a more restrictive coaching experience in your past that then informed how you coach? Or was it just your own tendency towards accumulating knowledge and like needing to use it all that that kind of sent you down that way? Yeah. So it, so that's interesting. I, so one of my, one of my really, really close friends is a, an IFBB pro. So she had bodybuilded for a very long time and had been dieting for years and years and years. Um, and so she had been with a, 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 a prep coach and, and, and had been working with that prep coach for a really long time. And so when I first went from, you know, I understand basic food groups. I understand what's healthy. I understand how to like nourish my body to, I need to understand sort of what numbers are associated with this and how to like weigh and measure my food. Um, she was, she was the person that sort of helped me put that together. And so she had helped other people with their macros in the past. And that was sort of like my, um, my introduction to it. And this was, you know, and I think that um, she would agree with me that for both of us at that time, and this is something, you know, that we kind of went through together, both of us at that time were very, very strict, very, very body focused. Um, there were, you know, there were crazy things where, you know, I remember one time uh, she was in prep and we were dieting together and she told me, she was like, oh, you know, I don't eat carrots because they're really high in sugar. And so what happened? I stopped eating carrots because they're really high in sugar. I stopped eating tomatoes because they were really high in sugar, which if anybody's listening right now, that is absolutely fucking bullshit. Like anybody that tells you that carrots are high in sugar, like tell them, I, and, and I say this, like, I absolutely adore this person. And she is, she is a beautiful, incredible person. And she was not trying just as your coaches, I don't think were like their goal was not to give to, to promote this sort of like really restrictive mindset, but everybody sort of interprets what they want. And some things work for some people, some things don't work for others. And, and so for me, it was like seeing this example of a very restrictive mindset and also seeing how being that restrictive gave me the results that I ultimately wanted um, and then coupled with, you know, reading a ton. So for example, Sohi Lee, um, I, I absolutely adore her. Um, I would read a ton. Like I, I spent so much time reading, you know, not just like bloggers, but other researchers and, and listening to different, uh, different people in, in the space. I tried the RP diet templates the, you know, the RP starvation templates, um, which yeah, they'll, they'll give you, they'll give you abs. They will also make you really obsessed about food. Um, and so that was more, it was more through my experience of, um, of having, you know, guidance from someone that was going through some body dysmorphia issues themselves. Um, and then, you know, just seeing the results that I was looking for from that restrictive mindset really got me deeper into that type of mindset. Yeah. And so then when I made that realization of that, that was what was happening, I was like, this is exactly what I don't want my clients to, to, to have yeah. happen to them. Jillian, um, it's really interesting that, you know, what you're talking about with working with your friend who was in bodybuilding. I, so actually Holly, you know, what you were talking about that you and I both um, doing the template 
which Gillian, you actually named doing RP, um, that was actually a savior from me from where I actually started, which was when I started doing bodybuilding and I worked with a, I'm doing inverted commas here, a quote marks, a nutrition coach. And what was normalized was binge eating, was very, very restrictive um, intake of food, was not macro tracking. And there were so many times when I said, okay, how many calories am I supposed to be having? Like how many, you know, trying to understand how much protein and stuff like that. And it was a meal plan. And it was like, you stick to this meal plan. This is your only option for breakfast, only option for lunch, only option for a snack. And that's what I lived on for like a year. And um, we're in this environment where I was like, yeah, like binge restrict. And it was very, very normalized. And this coach that I was working with, she would say, don't worry, so-and-so and so-and-so binge last night. And she had um, 10 protein bars. So you're fine. You only had seven. You know what I mean? Like really, really terrible, terrible guidance and advice. And so Holly, you know, going to those templates was actually like, you were like a freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just so interesting. It's um, how deep it can go and how, how amazing it is with, with this restriction. But I think that, I mean, that was a really long time ago. And I think that now, I mean, this is the beauty of social media is that there is more kind of information available where back then, like talking about blogs, Jillian, same, like when I first sort of got into the fitness industry, it was just like blogs, like that was the go-to and like oxygen magazine and stuff, you know, like really interesting. And so now it is amazing with Instagram and stuff like that, that there is so much more available if you're looking in the right places to, to kind of understand things a little bit more. So I just thought I'd share that because I was just, that was just really interesting that that was kind of where you started as well in that kind of bodybuilding space with your friends. Um, but while being performance focused with weightlifting. Yeah. And, and I have to say like, yeah, the RP templates, you can perform well on them. That's, that's true. You really can. And, and, you know, you, you feel, you feel quote unquote, like you're eating a lot of food, but it still is really restrictive. Um, and, and so what's interesting what you say about social media, and I think I want to recognize that social media is so huge now that we are in a bubble where like that stuff that we struggled with still exists. Like I will occasionally on my explore page, like I'll see like, you know, like a muscly girl pop up and I'll, and I'll look and she'll be like, this was my breakfast this morning, like oats and whey protein powder with a, with a, you know, chopped up protein bar. And then like a BCAAs on the side. And I'm like, that's your (laughs) breakfast. Yeah. And, and that's the thing yeah. is that, and I think that it's really important. And this is where I think the three of us sort of converge and create this like amazing magical bubble is that, you know, the, the way that you can eat and train is so flexible and, and able to be molded to the way you want to live your life, which mm-hmm. I think that in these other bubbles of social media, we don't see, like mm-hmm. if you're in the, the like bodybuilding bubble of social media, like you may not see that these people are, you know, eating a a pizza and a salad. 
you may only see that Saturday nights is like my cheat night or, you know, these like where people post these, like what I ate in a day. And you're looking at this and you're like, what you ate like seven products for my protein in the same day. Mm. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) But I think that unfortunately that's the reality for a lot of people is like, those are the people that they still look up to. And so I think that that's where the the three of us, it's like, you know, like rise up from the ocean women and, and fight against this like craziness of protein, this and low carb that and flavored whatever. And like aspartame filled other thing. And, and you can still perform and still look fucking amazing. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that all of us focus on a lot is what you just mentioned, Jillian, um, which is like, how do you want to live your life? Like, what kind of a lifestyle do you want to lead? What's important to you? Like, what values do you want? And how do you want to feel? And then you track backwards from there and you're like, okay, according to what you actually, like, mm-hmm. according to what's actually a priority for you in your life, here's the kind of habits and here's the kind of nutrition coaching that will, that will be more effective for you rather than just being like, oh, you want to lose weight? Great. Like, let's slash your calories by half and just like that, it'll fix it. Don't worry. So it's like coming at it from a point of view of like, who is your client as a human? Like, what do they actually enjoy? And sometimes they'll think that performance is their priority or, or, um, like body composition is their priority. But when you actually dig down into it and you're like, why? Like, where, where did that priority come from? What do you actually enjoy doing? They're like, oh, either it wasn't their priority and it is from absorbing those blogs and absorbing the Instagrams mm. and assuming that if people they follow and, and respect, or I don't know if that is true respect, but you know, if they follow and, and partake in their content, engage with their content are doing it, that should be my goal as well. Or whether it's just something that's come from their history, like their upbringing, their past experiences, a comment someone made. Um, and yeah, I think that we all do a lot of that focus in our coaching. It's like, who are you as a human? Like, what, what do you actually enjoy? What's the life you want to lead? And that should inform how you're coached. Absolutely. And, you know, I've had so many clients that have come to me, they're like, right, macros, like, get me on it. Like, let's go, you know, all of these things. Cause they're like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And so many women are like, after starting to track and I'm like, okay, cool. So if we're going to do this, like, this is what it looks like. And often I know, I know what's going to happen because I see it all the time that, that it's not going to work because They don't have the time, they don't have the capacity, they don't have the energy, and it's not actually what they want. Exactly like what you're saying, Holly, that it is all about reverse engineering from, if you want to feel freedom in your life, is this giving you freedom or is it freedom? And so, um, so many people kind of have to go through that process though of actually doing that hard thing to realize that that's not actually the thing for them. And I think that that is, this is the beauty of coaching. And if, if we had all the money in the world, I would want everybody to have a coach and a therapist so that they can actually come to this stuff, you know? And, but that's the beauty is that so of the, so many of these things that people have to go through to come back to what, what is it that I actually want? Yeah. And I think that hundred percent, 
the way that I see it, and I think that you you guys would totally be in agreement with this, is, is it's like it's a range. It's like a pendulum, and a lot of the time you need to swing to either end of the of the pend of the of the range of the pendulum to understand where you really mm. want to fall. And that's mm. you know where as coaches, like if we can join in on that process and be like, okay, cool. So you want to go from one extreme to another, like if you need to experience that, like we can guide you through it. What I find is usually, you know, the clients that come to me are the people that have been at either end of the, of the, of the range and they don't know how to fall in the middle. And I imagine that that happens, you know, a lot of with your clients is they're like, look, like I've gone totally strict being like perfect on a diet. And I've also gone off the rails and not, you know, not looked at any, anything related to nutrition or health. And I want to figure out like, how do I stay towards the middle of the range all the time? But sometimes people think that what they want is to be on the really strict side. They're like, no, no, no. What I want is I want to be on a diet. I want to do this perfectly. Like I want, you know, I want to be as healthy as possible. And then it comes up to us to be like, cool. But when you say as healthy as possible, like what other components in, of your life are included? And this is where like, you know, you may look at a picture of me from, for example, from 2017, when I was like jacked, um, and be like, damn, like, you know, she looks great. But inside my head, it was like, I was terrified to go out to dinner because I wasn't going to be able to track. Um, I didn't, you know, I never drank alcohol. Now I don't drink alcohol just because I don't feel like it, but I didn't drink alcohol then because I was scared of the calories and I was scared of what I would eat when I drank. Uh, I would go to, I remember, I remember going to barbecues, um, you know, and it would be like outdoors. There's like a ton of food on the table and I would, eat so much that I would feel so sick because it was like, oh my God, like I, you know, I, I, I can't track this. Like I can't track it. So I'm just going to go nuts. Like I remember coming home from a barbecue once and I'd had a couple of drinks and I had like snacked on some things, but I didn't feel like I had snacked enough. Like I didn't feel like I'd really taken advantage of my, like, you know, letting myself eat whatever I wanted. And so on my way home, I bought a pint of Ben and Jerry's and I, and I ate the whole thing. And it was like, did I, like, why did I do that? And see, and looking in the past, it was because in my head that day was already like my, you know, my free day. Cause the next day I was going to get off. right back on my diet. Mm -hmm. And so, and now it's one of those things where, you know, I see a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I, I remember someone left some at my house, you know, a couple months ago. And I think it lasted for like a month where like, you know, every couple of days, maybe I'd have like two bites. And I, and I remember thinking like, wow, I never used to be able to do this. Mm. It was nuts. Yeah. And that, that transformation in your relationship with food and your body is just like, that's the best part of this whole journey. And I think that's what all of us are trying to, and, and it's a journey I think all of us are still on as well, by the way. So like for anyone listening, it's like, they've got it all sorted out now. Like, oh, not, exactly. No. <laughs> like no. not exactly. We, like we still have the days, like <laughs> I think we not. all have the days where we look in the mirror and like, what happened to you? Yeah. And also still those you know, those food rules that we, that we had for so long and, you know, our relationship with different kinds of foods and stuff like that. I mean, I know for me, things still come up for me that feel hard, you know, sometimes going out for dinner feels hard, but how I get through those things is just this like reassurance of myself because everything, like all of the stuff, like being strict, trying to control, you know, everything is because we don't trust ourselves. And so that is why when we're talking about transformation, and I know this will be the same with both of you, but when we're talking about transformation, that is built on self-trust, self-compassion, and truly, truly letting go of what other people are thinking, because the transformation 
the um, very, very superficial transformation of like a, a body composition change or even a performance goal. So much of that is riding on the external and what we're hoping is going to happen from what other people, how other people are going to experience us and perceive us. And when we do the internal work, and this is why it's not just about training, it's not just about nutrition, it's not just about what you're eating or how you're eating, it's how you feel about yourself. And that's when everything else falls into place, you know? And so that true transformation comes from deciding that you're worthy, deciding that you're deserving, deciding that you can take up space, deciding exactly like what we've been talking about, how do you want to live your life? How do you want to create this intentional full life and then going from there? And I think that, you know, the, the, these bigger conversations, these deeper conversations, which include nutrition and training and talking about these like more practical things is important because that stuff is important. But talking about that inner transformation is so key because that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that brings you freedom. And I think everybody is just trying to find freedom amongst all of this, you know, freedom. Yeah. And I think, so what came up as you were saying that is like, there's a question that I ask my clients a lot of the time and that's, I ask them to think about, is this nourishing me? Mm. And, and I think that when, you know, when they understand what nourishment really is and they define it for themselves, they're able to answer that question in a way that changes their, their, the way that they interact with food and Mm. the way that they interact with their body, because they understand that, you know, when they're thinking about, is this nourishing me? That means that sometimes, you know, what may be nourishing you is, you know, eating the cookie because the cookie is nourishing you in another way that is not necessarily mm. like nutrient based. Mm. And, and I think that that's where, you know, that's where the, the, the mindset shift really happens is the taking away the pressure from, is this healthy? Is this not healthy? Like, you know, is this on my plan? Is this not on my plan to like, is this nourishing me? And that yeah. nourishment, like if I, if my goal is like you say, freedom, like, my nourished self is going to feel free because I will have the energy to do all the things I want to do in life. I will feel freedom to choose different foods or choose different ways of eating at different points in my life or at different seasons. And yeah, I think that that is, is a real game changer for a lot of people, but that's, that's to say it's a simple question, but it's not simple to get to the point where you can answer it correctly. Yeah. And I think so many people get kind of so caught up in everything because it's like eating is a necessary thing of being a human and it's like I should know how to do this yeah you know like I should know how to do this but we are just you know as babies we don't come out with all of these food rules and these like expectations of ourselves and what we should look like and stuff like that and so it's just understanding and unraveling like all of that conditioning that we have that has led us to here and asking for help because even though, you know, especially with fitness, you know, um, it's such a DIY industry where people think that, you know, it's that they can do it themselves, which so often like nutrition as well, we just get ourselves caught up in this like hurricane of like, 
our thoughts and thinking that we're doing it right and information and stuff and wanting like that. to like save looking. money we want to, yeah. and, and in wanting to save money we think we're saving money and really we're just we're not we're we're like if, if time is money so and energy. energy is money yep. totally then it's like mm, we need to budget correctly yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 energy budgeting exactly yeah. um and Jillian like what are your what are your current sort of goals for yourself like where are you at right now on your journey like what's the what's the deal for Jillian in 2020 so the deal for Jillian when we talk about professionally so I have been in an interesting position with my business because I teach a bi- I have a bilingual business um, so I have clients in both English and Spanish and I'm trying to transition into more of the English speaking base um, I am also currently working to up my education. I've got a, a health and nutrition psychology course coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, and just really digging into a little bit more of the practices of self-compassion and more mindful eating practices. Um, I work with individual clients. I have a group program that is all about, you know, breaking through food guilt, getting out of the on and off cycle, um, and, and really starting to work on body acceptance and, and, you know, and the self-compassion piece, which is more important than we know. I think we're going to have to do a, a, a podcast all about self-compassion and how to Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, and like, yes, if yes, you yes, can't yes, see, yes. but Olivia is like, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that, the, I think the self-compassion piece is, is really key. Um, and then I'm also, I have a podcast in Spanish that I am, my goal is to build that podcast and, and grow it quite a lot this year. Um, although I'm so excited to get to podcast in English. I feel so good about it. <laughs> and, and, uh, awesome. what, and like, if, you know, besides your own resources, right. So I think we'll, we'll mention those at the end of the show. Um, but if, if you had someone out there who's listening, who maybe isn't ready to get in touch with, with you or anyone else about one-on-one coaching yet they want to explore it a bit themselves like what are your most recommended resources for someone that is trying to break out of that cycle just getting started on on trying to reconnect with their body what it wants like feeling that self-compassion like what are your top sort of three resources let's say yeah um for someone on that journey just getting so I would say my some of my top resources have nothing to do with nutrition. Um, yeah. And I would say, you know, if you're looking for really good nutrition information, Precision Nutrition is the Precision Nutrition website is like, is amazing because I think they look at a lot of different angles of a lot of different issues and they, you know, they definitely have a habit-based approach and they're pretty moderate. Like they're not going to ever tell you like this type of diet is better than this type. And so I love that if you're looking for, for really good nutrition information, but I think if what you, you know, if, if the, and, and like I deal with a lot of my clients on, you know, a lot of my clients come to me because they've done the diet thing and they're like, I need to break out of this. This isn't working for me. Um, and so there are a couple books that kind of changed my life. Um, and those are Brene Brown, Daring Greatly where it looks a lot about at shame and kind of, you know, how you interact with your emotions. Um, Atomic Habits, which gives you a solid look at your habits. And if you, you know, if anyone is a client of mine and they haven't read the book already, they'll get it from me for their birthday. Um, And then, you know what? I go back, I'm debating on to whether, whether to recommend the intuitive eating or the mindful eating books. Intuitive eating as a book, I found to be a lot more, uh, educational, uh, than mindful eating. I think mindful eating 
um, as a as a book and as a practice is brilliant. But I think a lot of the practices that they talk about in the book might be a little bit too intense for some people to to really um, kind of take seriously in a way, you know, where they have they have like a practice where you a lot of different practices where you're really sort of like sitting and being with food. And I find that for some people, that's just kind of a lot. Um, whereas intuitive eating, I I love the concept, some of the concepts that are presented in the book, for example, like non-judgment. So looking at your thoughts, like an anthropologist, rather than, than drawing judgment on them, things like rejecting the food police. Um, I really like that they talk about like gentle nutrition and a lot of the different reasons why we exercise that are not related to changing our body. Um, but at the same time, intuitive eating is very much focused on like not having physique goals. And I think that it's okay to have physique goals. I think that it's okay to want to lose weight or to want to gain muscle or, or want to look different, but I think it's important for us to look at where that's coming from. So, um, that's my convoluted answer. You could, you know, so mindful eating and intuitive eating are both, are both interesting books. I would say, if you're going to pick one, pick intuitive eating, but look at it with a critical eye and try to figure out what parts of it are good for you. Atomic habits is going to change your fucking life. And I think all three of us are, are in agreement with that. I um, love James Clear. So yeah, yeah I adore sense. him. If we can get him on this podcast, we should send <laughs> him on this dream. podcast. Okay, like, everyone. If anyone knows James Clear, hit us up. We're yeah. ready. <laughs> um, and and then and then uh, anything by Brene Brown, even if it's just watching one of her her videos mm. to start understanding. Yeah, like if you're not ready to get emotions. the book, I think you can start with the Netflix special that she yeah. has. Is still amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So those and, are, and, and then for well. nutrition information, yeah. Precision Nutrition is a great website to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Well, Jillian, it's been amazing getting to know you much more deeply than I think we did before. Um, Olivia, do you have any like last questions for Jillian? Um, no, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. I enjoyed, um, just learning a little bit more about your history as well, Jillian. And, um, no, I thought that was awesome and some good little like conversation in there as well. So yeah, all good. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I feel like we could be doing this for like the next hour and just keep going. And I'm so excited mm -hmm. to, to get to know the two of you in the upcoming, uh, in the upcoming episodes. I think it's going to be a really amazing conversation. And yes. also it's just so brilliant that the three of us get to create together. Oh, absolutely. It's delicious. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, then I guess we're signing off for today, right, ladies? Yeah. Thanks, yep, Jillian. That's us done. See everyone next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.